We're thrilled to be able to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the program, Jake Crane. He's now the host of Crane & Company, and he's back on the show with us right now. Jake, appreciate the time as always. How are you on this May 26th? JJ and crew, I'm doing great, man. Uh, always fun to, to come on here and chop it up, and we're getting closer and closer to football season. So I'm uh, doing good. A hundred days away. I mean, is this something that you're counting down every single day, Jake, or are you just, like, surprised me when the season's right around the corner? Well, you know how people during Christmas have those calendars that have the chocolates in them, like the 25 days of Christmas? It's kind of like that, but with a 100-day calendar. So that's how I wake up every morning. That's a good way to start. Is, uh, obviously, you want to get closer to the college football season. It's definitely talking season. We're seeing Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban go back and forth. Uh, what was your take on all of that? You know, Nick Saban makes nothing but calculated moves, but I do feel like this was a little bit personal. Uh, that's why I think when you saw Saban come out and say that he shouldn't have singled anybody out, because let's really think about this. Jimbo Fisher, before the season last year, he's a protege of Nick Saban, told a group of donors that they were going to beat Alabama while Saban was there. And then they did it. So not only did you say you are going to do it, then you did it. Then you went and signed the number one recruiting class, which is what Nick Saban is the greatest in the world at in recruiting. Whether that be NIL or, or not, obviously it had an effect. It's kind of like the trifecta of, of a personal, uh, you know, vengeance uh, towards Jimbo Fisher, because Jimbo was also the first assistant that beat him uh, of his in the past. It wasn't Kirby, it was Jimbo. So I think it was a little bit personal. Yeah, I, I forgot about that angle of it, to be honest, because that was obviously a very big storyline that, hey, this is the master. None of his former assistants have ever beat him before. But then Jimbo does with Zach Calzada, we might add, here in Auburn. He's able to finally defeat Nick Saban as a former assistant. I hadn't thought about it in that way, Jake. Yeah, well, it's really the Star Wars, Star Wars rule. I mean, Jimbo's now Anakin, you know, Obi, Obi-Wan Saban. He thought he was the chosen one, and then, you know, he hits him with the lightsaber and he disappears. So he's got to come back fighting. <laughs> no doubt about that. All right, let's talk about the Auburn Tigers as they get set for this 2022 season. Uh, it's obviously talking season, as we alluded to. So if we were to put you in our position here, Jake, and all of a sudden you're responsible for talking to the Auburn football masses for three hours a day throughout the summer, what what's the biggest talking point that you've got for this football team? You know, you, you always got to look at positives and negatives, but you guys know me. I'm not, I'm not coming on here trying to tell everybody what they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what I actually think so the expectation can be realistic. I played the golf tournament the other day, and, and there's a former Auburn legend running back there, and you know, me and him kind of had the same thoughts. I mean, this game comes down to players, okay? Like, you can be the greatest coach. There's a lot of great coaches that look bad because they had bad players. There's a lot of bad coaches that look great because they had great players. Auburn's roster right now is just not good enough to be able to do the things that Auburn fans expect and the standard that's been raised at Auburn. It just is what it is. Now, I'm not saying they can't go up and, and beat somebody they're not supposed to, you know, one, once or twice in a season. But if you're looking at the full season and Auburn's expected to compete for championships, compete for conference championships, compete for division titles, and then you look to the left and right at what Alabama's built, and the roster that Arkansas now has, and the roster that A&M has, and what Brian Kelly's doing at LSU, I'm really worried. Up front on the offensive line, we return a lot of guys, but if I returned a car that didn't work in 2021 and don't fix it, it's not going to work in 2022. The quarterback situation's a problem. I don't think we have an elite playmaker there. 
And then on the outside, we got a bunch of unknown guys and some transfers. Defensively, I think Auburn will be fine. But I just don't think the roster and the depth, especially up front where the game is won and lost, is at a point where we can go in and say, you know what, Auburn can go toe-to-toe with anybody. But on the other hand, Auburn does have an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable way of playing a lot better when they're expected not to play well. So there's always that. I just always look back at the roster, and I just don't see Auburn's roster right now being at a place where you can go win a championship. And so it's going to come back to recruiting, of course, and I know the staff is working really hard to change that, uh, looking towards the future and that sort of thing. But we've seen such a chaotic offseason here in town, uh, wondering whether or not Harson would even return for year two. There was a, a look inside the program to see how it was being run and operated from administration and the university level in itself. How can Harson continue to buy time to get better players in here if things aren't to go well in year two? Or is the possibly just a two-year experiment and then you move on? Well, listen, there's a huge difference in this year going seven and five. I think you survive if one of those seven is is one of the right uh, seven. So, you know, whether you sneak up on a Georgia or Alabama, which those two games are on the road, I don't see how that happens. I think you got to be five and oh going to Georgia to have a chance for Harson to be able to not have a, a, a catastrophic year because the rest of the SEC is getting pretty good too. And all those same people, and there's nothing wrong with it, that were behind Harson. I was behind him during this whole administrative thing because I know it takes time, that were there cheering him on and behind him. You go five and seven and you get embarrassed by Georgia and Alabama and the recruiting, the thing about it is you got to win on the field. These kids got to see it on the field. You can show them pictures and send out quotes and tell them how good it is and how great it's going to be. But if you're getting embarrassed on the field, you're going to get embarrassed in recruiting. So if they go anything six and six or worse, I don't think Carson survives. So that's that's where I'm at with it right now. And so looking at this Auburn football team and, and being 5-0 and going into the Georgia game is obviously best-case scenario for the Tigers. One of those big wins that would happen before that game against the Bulldogs would be Penn State, the return trip for the Nittany Lions down to Jordan-Hare Stadium walking into that environment. A lot of people are talking about that game, but you do such a good job covering the sport at a national level. Give us a little bit more of an early 100 days away kickoff, so to speak, preview of this Penn State football team. We know Sean Clifford's coming back for year 12 as a quarterback at the college level for Penn State, but what else is uh, impressive about that team, or should Auburn feel good about their chances in that one? Well, you know, Jahan Dotson's not there anymore, and and Auburn couldn't cover him if they sent a beat writer up to College Station (laughs) with with the way that game was going. So he's not there anymore, thank goodness. But, look, they've got a quality roster. You return a quarterback, you return a couple of the weapons, the offensive line – uh, you've got starters coming back. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be an absolute fight. But it's a very winnable game, I think, for Auburn. And, you know, I put out some on social media the other day, and I'm typically not one of these people that looks at one game and says, all right, this this will probably dictate how the season goes. I'm looking at that Penn State game, and I'm really starting to err on the side of this This may be the dictator of how it goes. Because you got Penn State at home, then you got Mizzou at home, then I believe you got LSU at home. If you can start out 3-0 and after beating Penn State, you're going to beat Mercer. I think you played San Jose State the second game. You'd hope that wouldn't be a problem. But you win Penn State, you've got a good chance to beat Missouri at home, and, and then you've got LSU at home in, in what should be a huge game. But Penn State, they're going to be fast. They're going to be athletic. 
but I don't think they're going to be as explosive offensively this year as they were last year. And Auburn still had a chance. Just don't call slot fade in the goal line when it matters. <laughs> but Mike Bobo's not here anymore. I think this will be a game where Auburn does stack up roster-wise. You'll be at home. You'll have all the momentum. Uh, but look, Auburn is going to have to be, when you look at this offense, they are going to have to be able to get something out of the run game to be able to compete in these games. If it's like it was last year where Tank Bigsby is having to you know, become David Blaine or you know, Chris Angel, the mind freak, to be able to get six yards, then it's going to be a problem regardless of who you play. But I do like this matchup with Auburn. You've got to keep Clifford in the pocket. Some that hurt him last year was he kept extending the plays because he would break contain or they'd run past the quarterback on the rush. So I do like the matchup, and it is going to be a massive game in determining Auburn going forward, in my opinion. So we're taking a look. We're talking with Jake Crane here. He's the host of Crane & Company, and you can follow him on Twitter at JakeCrane underscore. He's been a guest here in studio before and always appreciate his time. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the recruiting uh, aspect for college football and a question that we honestly don't discuss discuss ourselves as much uh, because it doesn't relate to the Tigers, but I'm curious your take on this. Where is Arch Manning going? You know, I think it's going to come down in between Georgia and Texas. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the other day, not even where he was going, but will he actually be able to live up to the impossible hype that they're going to put on this kid, which is going to be, for lack of a better term, nearly impossible. When I look at the fit, you know, you got to look at the quarterback rooms there. I think Van DeGriff's next up for Georgia. I, I think if, if Georgia didn't win the national championship last year with Stetson, I think Stetson would have moved on and Van DeGriff would have been the guy. But since they won it, you can't turn Stetson Bennett down. And I don't think they should. Quarterbacks won a, won a national championship. I think the best fit for him would be Texas, honestly. Because, again, Georgia just won the Natty. Bama's been winning Natties left and right. You want to go to a huge brand name where you can be an absolute legend? Colt McCoy didn't win one. Sam Ellinger didn't win one. You just really hear about Vince Young at Texas. Sarkeesian is a quarterback specialist. When you go play quarterback at Texas or you go and play for a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, you are not getting a bachelor's degree in quarterbacking. You are not getting a master's degree in quarterbacking. You are getting a doctoral Ph.D. degree in quarterbacking in an offense that translates exactly to the professional level because Sarkeesian's been an O.C. up there. He understands the intangibles you have to have, how to be able to read coverages, how to be able to, to call the, the play-in. Um, but – I really believe if he goes to Texas, Quinn Ewers right now, redshirted last year at Ohio State, he transferred. Arch Manning's a 2023 kid, which means he will sign in 2023. He will be there in 2023. Quinn Ewers will be draft eligible in, in uh, Arch's first year. I think Arch may go to Texas. He may redshirt and then play because Malik Murphy will have transferred from Texas by then. I think he ends up at Texas. I, look, that's kind of crazy to think about all the options of where he could be. And the hype is, is definitely something that I'm interested in kind of following through because you're right, it's going to be an unprecedented level of hype for what's going to be a college freshman. But your last name carries so much weight and that sort of thing. Uh, you've got the new show, your craning company. Uh, we've got you promoting J-Boy show here at uh, our studios. We're going to have to get you to come back by and re-record some stuff for us here, Jake. But tell us a little bit about craning company, what you've liked about this new show that you're doing. Man, you know, it's, it's been cool to be able to talk about all the sports. We all know, you know, football is my fastball, but we're <laughs> able to talk more NFL now. We're really getting into the college football heavy. 
uh, that's what the show ma- mainly is. But, you know, we've been able to talk some NBA playoffs. We've been able to talk some NHL playoffs, believe it or not. I've actually somewhat gotten into hockey and really kind of, kind of the national stories, and that's been fun, obviously, with my brother and Blaine. But the coolest part about the show is the interaction. It was with the J-Boy show. It is with Crane and Company. Uh, you know, being at the Daily Wire with Ben Shapiro and them, that they're great people, and Ben is legitimately 5'10". A lot of people don't believe me. Talk to him in person three times, the dude's 5'10". But, <laughs> but having our booster club, which is our audience, you know, we go live on YouTube 2 to 3 Central every weekday. We take college football questions. We're talking college football. You can go in the YouTube chat. We read your bets live. Uh, you can win stuff if enough of your bets hit. So it's just, it's been fantastic. I always love the interaction with the audience because I always say, you know, without them, there is no HUD. Jake, well, give us then, you said you've been talking about NBA. Give us then your, uh, the Warriors going to finish it off tonight, and then who do you like in the finals? Yeah, well, first off, the conference finals, these series have been awful. But, yeah. uh, you know, earlier the, the playoffs were better. I think the Warriors ended tonight, even though elimination game Luka is a different level. But when you look at the Mavs, for the Mavs to be able to win, Luka's unbelievable, but it's tough to win with one guy nowadays in the NBA as good as Luka is. I mean, Sidney Smith was unconscious from three. Max Cleaver uh, was unconscious from three. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson's been really good, especially in the ISO, uh, you know, really being able to isolate guards, even though he's a, he's a little guy and get in. I just think the Warriors have too much experience. I think this is one of the games at home where Clay uh, and Steph are able to hit a bunch of threes and get the momentum going. Uh, I'm just... I'm very, very hesitant when I'm thinking about my brother is all thinks the Warriors are going to dominate whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference Finals. I could not disagree more. I think the Eastern Conference Finals are a little more like the SEC with the Heat and Celtics as physical they, as they are. And the Warriors and the Mavs have kind of been, you know, a little Pac-12-ish. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get physical. I'll give you a shot. But the Warriors <laughs> in it tonight. I do think the Mavs cover that plus seven, though. All right, Jake, it's always good to catch up with you. We look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Okay, thanks for stopping by. JJ, always, man. I appreciate it.